Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash goddessgray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful Hi, people. Hi, beautiful people. <laughs> this is Lauren Deleary. She is formerly of the Christian band Love Collide and has an amazing podcast, The Deconstruct Pod. She has brilliant guests on there. You can also check her out on Grace Baldridge's uh, Refinery29 episode about worship music in which her and Grace really delighted me. <laughs> Their artistic <laughs> talents. It's a great episode. I will link it below as well. She's living in Nashville. What else, Lauren? Hello. Thank you for having <laughs> me on. Um, so I do live in Nashville. I am married to my husband, Adam. We've been married for like two and a half years. Um, we originally met because we were in a Christian band together. He was my drummer. Um, first and foremost, he started drumming and then I fell in love with the drummer classic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, I, we were in CCM and the Christian music industry for, um, like 10 years. So the majority of our adult lives. Um, and yeah, so about two and a half years or two years ago now, not quite two and a half, but two years ago now, um, my sister had decided to quit the band with me and her and Adam essentially. And since then, and a lot of other things going on in my life, in our lives, um, I've done a lot of deconstructing of my faith um, because essentially being in the Christian music industry was my uh, identity and my career. So it was paid my bills fairly, but it, but it kind of did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's what I did. And it, kind of wrapped up my spirituality too. And so then when that was gone, everything kind of came into question. So, um, and Adam, he's been on the same sort of journey as me, you know, we have different backgrounds, but essentially we were kind of meeting at the same place in life. Um, and so, yeah, with my deconstruction and having basically my career kind of taken away in a sense, Um, I have really leaned into other avenues that I absolutely adore and love, which is my podcast deconstruct, which Brenda was on at one Mm -hmm. point, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And, uh, I also like, like she said, I have a blog, I have a website, um, where I just like kind of write out longer versions of what I say on my Instagram, which, um, basically wraps up deconstruction, decolonization, body positivity, kind of all of that world. Um, and yeah, so, and I have a YouTube channel that kind of does that and some of like lifestyle stuff, like minimalist and zero waste things. So that's kind of like me in a nutshell. <laughs> I kind of do like a little bit of everything and I write music some still as well under my artist name, Benashi. But 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love that you just have such an expansive view of like your talents and capabilities and you're just embracing all of them. And I never really thought about this, but it's interesting how deconstruction of our faith, of our like evangelicalism does encapsulate so many different areas of life because if you talk about decolonization and christian music and how harmful it could be and sexual health like they all align because we were in these spaces in these churches believing that we were getting a holistic experience that was drawing us closer to god so it makes sense that in our deconstruction we would have to be looking at all of these issues one-on-one and in their totality to get back to a whole view of who we are as people, as believers, as just human beings. Yeah. Yes. And I'm also an indigenous woman. And so that has a lot, you know, to play into my deconstruction. And that's why, I mean, I think decolonization should be an important, important work for everyone. Um, But that's why I was, initially why I'm initially drawn to the work of decolonization why it makes so much sense for me um yeah so my dad is Ojibwe and and Mexican actually so his mother was Mexican Aztec and his father it was Ojibwe like full full blood Ojibwe so um and then my mom is white (laughs) so that's why you know I I am really passionate about my native heritage. It's something I did grow up with. Um, I would, we would go to powwows a lot growing up. Um, I would fancy dance. That's what it was called. It was fancy dance. Um, Regalia, like all of that. My family, my dad's family, a lot of them still live on the reservation, which is actually in Canada. Um, And so that's why I have Canadian ties. And yeah, so it's something that's been a part of my life forever, um, as long as I, you know, my whole life and beyond, you know, ancestrally. And um, yeah, so I think an interesting aspect of my personal deconstruction was the fact that there was this split time where I was a young girl before I ever hit puberty, before purity culture began, um, in my life, I was, you know, taught and I embraced my native heritage. I used to do like, um, I I don't know if they'd be called workshops, but where I grew up, my dad, he would speak about native heritage and different tribes and just like educate people. Um, and then I would be like the little or five-year-old, six-year-old, like in her full regalia, and I would fancy dance. And so I would like show people what it was like. <laughs> um, and so I, that was something that I grew up with. That was like part of my identity as a, as a kid. I remember me and my dad were these brown people <laughs> in my family. Cause I have an older brother who's, he's my half brother on my mom's side. So he was really white, fair, blue eyed. Um, and you know, she's a white woman. So I was like, me and my dad are like these, like this, and then they're like that. And I love mm-hmm. them. They were all family, but that's just how I grew up. And then I hit puberty and it was like, everything just kind of, all of my native stuff just kind of got shut down. Um, it was like, it went from like embrace it, dance, dance your dances. But then once I started 
growing boobs or whatever else that came along with that. Um, it was all of a sudden like my native heritage had become dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense of like, well, you know, don't go too far into that. Like it'll lead you down the wrong path or it's like, I was a naturally spiritual person. And I think my parents saw that. Um, and they were, they were cautious of that. And I, and I think they were correct because naturally this is where I've like, I've followed the breadcrumbs to back to my heritage and back to that native spirituality. Um, and yeah, so it was something that had just been cut off from my life from like nine years old, 10 years old till deconstruction, like three, two and a half, three years ago. Wait, who cut it off for you? Did you go to a church independently or your parents took you? No, so we grew up um, going to church. I will say the first like six years of my life, my parents weren't as religious, but they kind of continue. A lot of people's parents kind of get away from conservatism and like legalism. They kind of like grow out of that in a sense. And my, my parents were a little bit more the opposite where they got more and more involved in the church. So then the older I got, the more indoctrinated mm. in evangelicalism I got but also I got into Christian music when I was oh I was like 16 when we started our career together my sister and I um and so my parents it was like it was by the time that I really and I say hit puberty because that's when like purity ceremonies and like all that stuff yeah wait that's like when it all happened um and that's when I, I was asking a lot of questions of like, what, what is prayer? Because to me, I already prayed. Like prayer was me sitting outside and soaking in the sunshine and listening to the wind. Like that was prayer. And so I would always have like pushback questions of being like, well, what's the difference? And um, I think- They tell you like, you were like an earth worshiper and stuff? Yeah. I mean, my, my parents specifically didn't say like those things. They just- the main phrase they would say over and over again is like, okay, well, just, I mean, just be careful. Cause like my mom's into essential oils, right? Like, so <laughs> she's like, has her own little witchiness, although she doesn't like, wouldn't say that. Um, and it's something like from a young age, I used to make up like potions from the ground and all the stuff. Like I loved witchy things and really native ancestral things. And they would just see that in me and would say, well, okay, just be careful because witchcraft is, you know, of the devil will lead you down a dark path and all these things. So it's just things that they saw in me naturally that they were just like, okay, let's not do that. Or if they would, you know, find me um, just intrigued in spirituality at all (laughs) besides religion. And I don't think religion and spirituality are one and the same. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they can go hand in hand, but I don't think they are the same thing. So, yeah, I think it was just like a natural, I was growing up and I wanted to be more spiritual, but instead, because of, you know, being in the Christian music industry and going into that, I had to, and I, and I did, it was, it was my choice in a sense, but I didn't really know I, I could have a different way or different option. They, I I basically just like jumped headfirst into, well, if, I'm not going to be spiritual. I'm going to be very religious. And so I myself became very like, 
very legalistic, very like, you know, I knew the rules of like the, the four, what was it? I don't even know now the two fingers, four fingers, what, or the four fingers, oh, here, two fingers here, something, yeah. whatever that, that stuff. I don't even. For anyone who doesn't know, we're talking about modesty and how you have to use your fingers to make sure, you know, you're not showing too much. Your strap is this thick, which yeah, is mind numbing. Yeah. It's just nauseating, but mm-hmm. I was like full into it. And I like, I, I was kind of like the golden girl about it. Like I was just, if I was going to do it, I was going to go me a full force. So that was me in Christian music industry. But there's always a part of me that was like something else like something's got to give like this can't like you I would always look for how to be a better golden girl within the evangelicalism and there's just like that just runs you dry there's no end to how perfect you can be in a sense perfect quote like you know quotation marks like and so anyway I think that is what I like that's what I mean by it kind of stopped. I turned into like a woman and I was going through like womanhood and my spirituality all of a sudden was dangerous. And so, yeah, after deconstructing and I'm still in a sense, we're all kind of deconstructing always um, and then reconstructing. It's just like life cycles. Um, yeah. Let's go, let's go through your journey because it's a very, very interesting journey. We <laughs> packed a lot of information in there. I think you know, it's really, really interesting, especially now that I have a son to just consider the things you see your child innately interested in and what is actually them reaching their hands over a stove about to get burnt versus what are their natural inclinations and who God made them to be and the beauty of that. And, um, you know, like my son, I'm not a daredevil at all. Like I hate skiing because I feel like I'm just falling down a, a hill uncontrollably. I hate it. And then my kid is just like flopping around and has no fear of falling. And I'm like, oh, great. Is this good kid going to be a daredevil? Because that would stretch me really far because I, in my own fear and my own experience of life of getting hurt, you know, a nominal amount of times for my klutziness or whatever, I'm going to be really afraid to see him go out on a limb and and try to be a daredevil. I hope this isn't even true. I'm like, please just be careful. (laughs) Um, But all of that said, like just in the beginning of my motherhood journey, he's six months old. I'm just beginning to see like, okay, so this is where your fears as an adult come in, where you could impose those fears on your child. And the, the confusing thing about religion to me is that the Lord says to not have a spirit of fear. That's in the Bible an abundant amount of times. Do not be afraid. Do not go forth in fear. So I think the question becomes, how can we cultivate these curiosities and these, and these things in the people that we know and love, even if we're not parents, like our friends, our family members that we're not seeing eye to eye on, like when there's hints of their passions, you know, is that something that we have a right to squelch versus us looking inside and realizing what's been imposed on us and what we've been told we're supposed to be scared of. And I think you talking about your connection to the earth. I remember being lied to and being told that lie that that makes me an earth worshiper. And that I remember being afraid to go out in nature and pray, which to me leads to this terrible 
detrimental attitude that now we don't even believe in climate change as evangelicals because it's like yeah if you've been disconnected from the earth from this long if you've been lied to this many times about you're not supposed to even honor this planet that god gave us then of course now we're voting and we don't give a damn about how violently animals are murdered for our food like of course we don't care. And that is yeah. an inversion of the Bible. That's an inversion of God's heart for us. Right. So that all said, I like, I want to honor your experience as a child because so many people go back to that like childhood trauma and childhood work mm-hmm. and diving back into like, who were you as a little girl? And yeah. I definitely agree with you that deconstruction is all leading back to whoever you were as a child. Mm-hmm. For me, like I've always been a justice person. Like if you've always mm-hmm. been a creator and one with nature, I've always been obsessed with justice. I did, which I don't even believe in this anymore, but I campaigned against violence on television when I was like six years old okay. and I took a petition door to door and I was like, we need to get violence on the television. Oh my gosh, love, <laughs> love it. That's hilarious. But it's funny because I think when you are in deconstruction, I want to encourage anyone that's deconstruction in deconstruction. If you find yourself remembering who you were as a child, remembering what was so valuable to you, what made your heart sing, because your heart is not evil. Your heart is one of your guides that God has given you. Yeah. If your heart's singing and if you're remembering your childhood, I think that is one of the greatest indicators that you are finally back on the right track. Would you agree with me on that? I absolutely, absolutely agree with that. I mean, I feel like so much of my deconstruction work is basically me listening to eight-year-old me being like, all right, please, please teach me. Like (laughs) I, and it's, and it's honestly, I think because there was such a turning point for me um, that I, it's, it's almost easier to listen back to that, age, you know, that version of myself, because in some ways it was like a night and day turnover. Um, and so I'm, yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely agree with that. And that's something that we've talked about, even like on our podcast, it's just something that, yeah, you, I think you've talked about how one of the hardest things to get people to understand is that you know, they, they misuse the verse, the hardest deceitful above all else. Um, Mm -hmm. and therefore they just turn off all their feelings and they don't listen to themselves and they just become very unwhole and very disconnected humans. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, I think the thing that we did the most as kids was listen to ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. and we didn't, we didn't know to shut out are the voice inside or, you know, whatever it is that you believe, whether it's like your own voice, your heart, the Holy Spirit, God within, divine within, whatever. I do believe that my personal opinion is that we all have that. We all have, there's like a God self within that we are listening to and and are pressing into when we're kids. And I think that's what makes children. That's why Jesus said, come to me like little children, like listen, like watch them look Mm -hmm. at them like they have faith and that's and that's what I kind of like I go back to and I've deconstructed even what being a Christian means and all of that and I just think it it really does go back to having faith like a child and Mm -hmm. not being not being fearful my my favorite I don't really even read the Bible so much anymore to be honest but my my favorite verse is still 
2 Timothy 1.7, for God not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of um, power, love, and self-discipline, which I interpret as self-like intuition. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just feel like that listening to child self and learning and reteaching and reparenting is honestly the best way we can heal. Yeah, I completely agree. As far as your journey into Christian music, I definitely wanted to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also want to get back into decolonization too. But with Christian music, are there, do you have any stories that might embarrass you now of moments where you were in this legalism? (laughs) Oh, yes. Or moments when you were stretching out your hand and telling people to praise God and you weren't quite believing what you were saying. Like one of those two things Mm. or both of those things. I think, okay, so I'll start with the, 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 the second one, whereas I, if I ever spoke what I wasn't actually believing, I think one thing that we did do well in our career was that, um, at least for me, and I, don't, and I don't like speaking for my sister, but um, for me, I think there were times in my career where I didn't say much when I didn't know, like we used to talk on stage a lot, like part of our gig was like, we were speakers. We were even hired to be speakers sometimes um, on top of being musicians. So there were seasons where I didn't speak because I did not agree or feel comfortable with what I was saying, or I was getting to the point where I was like, wait a second, God loves everyone as they are. So like, that's what I'm just going to say. I'm not going to say all the trigger words, (laughs) but I'm going to just like say that message. So I will say that that I either didn't speak or I just said the truth in, in ways that I think people could, could swallow, if that makes sense. Yeah. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> so you had some yeah. integrity there. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I really tried because I yeah. can't, if you look on like my Instagram or any of my blog, like I can't, it is all just really like raw and I don't, I I personally can't deal with like a facade. That's just not who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, but then the first question, the first point of your question, (laughs) looking back on things where I did say what I believed and I look at it and I'm just like, Um, there were times towards the beginning of tour when we were kind of hired to do a show and then, you know, it would be like in a school, like in a Christian school. And then later on, the kids would come back because we were like a special. And so we would have like a workshop or something like that. We would speak. So um, there were times that we spoke on purity, essentially. Uh Um, So that was like really rough, um, really rough looking back on that. I never, it was never the the bubblegum thing where it's like you won't ever if you chew up bubblegum then nobody will want if you're chewed up bubblegum no one will want you we didn't go like that far I would I would never have believed that however a message that I did portray was hey what you put out is what you're gonna get which is essentially rape culture and I am disgusted with it now (laughs) it's like if you're dressed a certain way those are the kind of people who are going to be into you, you know, like that sort of messaging. Um, And it was like beyond your clothes, it's like how you act is what you're going to get. So if you're acting 
risque or whatever, that's what you're going to, you're going to get nasty guys or girls coming after you. And so Mm. obviously that is not what I believed, but I did it at that time. So like I said, I, I did speak from my heart and from what I believed, um, but I, I hopefully have grown a lot since that time and, and no longer agree with that messaging in any way shape or form. So that is an example for you. Yeah. I, I keep really, you know, having this thing where I really do want to reach across the aisle and talk to people that are still in these mindsets. They don't have to be uh, like saved from everything that they're saying. You know, I think Mm -hmm. in some ways I could maybe use more rules. Like maybe I'm a little like lawless and out there, um, for people, but you know, I don't really feel that way. I really do navigate the world with the Holy Spirit, with it, with like my inner divine, my inner yeah. divinity, which God says that we each have. And I really do trust that and, and navigate accordingly. So, yeah. but I guess what I'm trying to say is people have different temperaments. People have different things mm-hmm. that they can handle. Like, um, was it on your podcast that I talked about going to some like dominatrix club? Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah I thought so. <laughs> yeah, but I think like the night before, before quarantine, when we actually had our friend groups, yeah. I went to my friend's birthday and we went to this like dominatrix club at like three o'clock in the morning. And it was funny because I was just like walking around and like no one was being hurt. No one was being abused. No one was being coerced into anything. Like people were very consensually doing whatever they were doing. And yeah. I was just like on the dance floor with my partner, just like having a nice night. And it did strike me. I was like, this is so funny because another person, this exact same situation might be completely freaked out. Like would go home and be like, oh my God, I need to repent for having been in a space like that. (laughs) But I've always been very like Jesus hung out with the sinners. Like you don't have to do what everybody does. Not that I think there's anything wrong with BDSM, by the way. Um, That's a whole, that's a subject that I have to get into as well. (laughs) Um, All of that babble to say, you know, I think that it's really curious when you learn that people that used to hurt us, like I had a, a Ukrainian youth leader, which if you really break down what that means is terrifying because Ukrainian (laughs) culture is like, tell it like it is in the harshest, cruelest way possible. If I scare you a little, (laughs) that's probably what I meant to do. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. it, It was terrifying to get purity culture messages from someone that had that harsh of, um, an approach to it was really, really scary and did hurt a lot of us. And that pastor, it turned out her husband was cheating on her all the time. And then the pastors were asking her to forgive him and to work on their marriage together because he can't, whatever, like all of that stuff. So people that are giving these painful messages are often in pain themselves. And maybe when you were younger, like what I would ask you is if you weren't necessarily in pain when you were hook, line, and sinkers for these concepts, which I was too, did you feel like settled in your spirit or was it this compartmentalization that helped you believe that that was real? I think it was probably compartmentalization. Um, I say that, but of course, like I, there's things that I, I went through that helped me go against the status quo. Like I, I remember 
I was, I've always been like an environmentalist of, in some way or another. Um, and (laughs) (laughs) right. Um, and I think so I was, it was in 2015 or something like that. I I did, I went went vegan, which was very not me. Um, uh, like that was not my life choices. I wasn't like naturally vegetarian at all. Um, so I went vegan for ethical and environmental reasons. Um, and so that kind of went against the status quo that I was around and grew up in. And then I, which you is know, so strange, I, by the way, that is, Christians take up a sword against veganism. And yes, and you honestly have no idea because being on tour and being a vegan Christian is like so isolating. So I think I was getting a taste of being like, I guess, progressive. That's the word I can think of, but like <laughs> yeah. progressive in that way in, in the Christian bubble. So, you know, being being, I think that was like the first um, thing. And then I ended up, I was engaged to someone else and I broke off that engagement. I had been dating him for four years and we had just sent out save the dates and I did something totally against status quo and I broke it off with him. And I had to tell over 200 addresses that I'm not getting married. Mm. Um, so things like that, that kind of helped me just be like pushing back. So I've always had that sense of what, how can we be better? Um, so that's always been there, but I think as far as like the legalism, it was compartmentalization, maybe because of how I felt that fire in me, that spirituality in me, that ancestry, like in me that I, that's why I went so hard in some of my other uh, more fundamentalist beliefs, um, because I was almost trying to convince myself. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, Okay, so what are some harmful things that you noticed in worship music or the culture of worship? And the positive things as well. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that we have to be careful of, no matter what style of music or what kind of, I don't like the word careful. (laughs) I hate that. But also (laughs) something to be aware of is that anything that you are singing over yourself, you're, you're meditating on. um, And I believe that it's kind of like, if you're singing, Mm. that's a, that's a mantra. And of course, I mean, that not every song I sing is like something I would like, it's not always like good and positive and light and all that, whatever, but it's just something to think about. And I think a lot of worship music talks about how unworthy we are and how small and dirty and um, undeserving we are. And, um, you know, then it's creating like this huge divide between us and God. And that's, that's kind of evangelicalism in a nutshell. It's like, we have to separate ourselves so far from God to where, you know, they're like, where's that relationship? I don't know, but um, it basically just squashes your, your self-worth. And so I feel like there is harm in that. Um, Being in the Christian music industry, I was, I mean, just look at the musicians, like who has succeeded and it's mostly men and it's mostly white men. Um, Mm. And so look at the people who can't 
go as far or feel as um, accepted. <laughs> and you can see where some of the problems lie. Um, the, my sister and I were sexualized a lot in the Christian music industry. There were a lot of, there was a show that we did that when we had just come out with our new album where we were, we thought we were wearing like cool clothes and um, we like had created a couple, like a couple dance moves, like not like we weren't twerking. Okay. But we were like, we would be like jump up and down and then we'd be like hit, hit, you know, like think just like kind of girl bandy, but we didn't, it wasn't like a full on thing. It was just like a couple like hits. So we did that and it was like our debut show um, since our newest album had come out. So we were so excited. We loved the music. It was so, such a vibe, all this stuff. Anyway, that show ended up being super traumatizing because then we got so many like um, people, you know, I, you know, chokers, people were chokers. And one woman was like, you look like um, basically a sex worker and which I don't, now I'm, it's weird saying things now. Cause I'm, it's not that like being a sex worker, there's no shame in that, but what she was saying was she was trying to shame us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and then the person who like had booked us was thinking about booking us for um, his future festival, but he didn't want us to um, taint that because so many people have had a problem with us that we were too sexual and that how could we be worship leaders um, and we would dance on, on stage, which, like I said, like, it was just like a couple hits. Like it, it was basically us jumping up and down. Like, honestly, that's it. Um, and it was honestly, it was super traumatizing. We, we both, we had to put on hoodies. We had to put on our own March hoodies in order to talk to people after our show because they like made us. Um, that makes me it, so sick. And it was, yeah, it was like, it was so sad. And honestly, that was the beginning of the downfall of our the light inside of us because once that happened it was like it just kept happening because we we were growing in the sense of like more people were hearing about us we were getting booked more but at the same time we were getting a lot of flack back we should have been a lot further along than we were um based off of like other things that i know and people i've talked to we should have been a lot further along but you know, we had a, I had a second piercing in one of the photo shoots we did. And so then life, was it Lifeway? That's the Christian bookstore. Like wouldn't have us in the, that bookstore, have our album. Um, one, our, one of the last festivals that we did, which was like a year ago, maybe. Cause we, ever since the band dissolved, we still did a couple of shows that we had previously booked. Um, and the guy was telling us, he was like, yeah, we barely got, got you guys here because we posted your picture. And our pictures, like, you can look up Love Collide. That was our band. And our pictures are so innocent. They're so innocent. They're like, yeah, we posted the picture. And the people on the Facebook event page were like, no, we don't want these girls. They're too, like, they're too sexual or too whatever. Honestly, I don't even, I don't know how people, like, came to these decisions or, like, conclusions but he said he went on had to go to our website and post what we were about people were like oh okay well maybe they do love Jesus like oh no um so it was like people were like proud to tell us how sexual we were um and like felt like that was like a power strip I guess a power trip for them I don't know it, it was really really weird and one time I lifted my hands to worship and part of my midriff showed and I we got attacked on Twitter <laughs> about how could we be Christians? If how exhausting. How honestly exhausting. Very exhausting. Yeah. Like 
That's just so, <laughs> I think I've also been on such a beautiful journey with God is Gray as well. And like, I've been de- I I feel like I deconstructed before I got in the space of talking about it, but then, you know, you dip your toe into little things to be like, this is BS. Yeah. But you say it in a really gentle way, like, hey guys, I think like maybe like being gay is okay, you know, and you just like are all like nervous about it. And at this point I'm like, hi, I've created a lot of content that proves that everything is completely fine and you need to calm down and I can't pussyfoot around this anymore. And in the area of modesty, it's like, no, I'm done with it. I'm done with the, I'm my, uh, I had a pastor that used to say, why do we major in the minors and minor in the majors? And I don't even remember what his message was, but it was like, why are we majors in the ethic of spaghetti straps right? and minors in what the hell is happening with kids at the border? Right. We have lost our way. Yeah. There's no gentle way for me to say that we've lost our way. Yeah. And if you can sexualize two young girls who are worshiping their heart outs You know, like I also had this revelation um, in prayer where God was like telling me to battle darkness by drawing it more to the light. Mm. You know, this is why we as Christians are supposed to give infinite amount of love. This is why Jesus says, love your enemies. And it's not because of this like do-gooder thing is what I realized in this like revelatory moment. It's not so we can pat ourselves in the back and be like, I was really nice to that girl that I really don't like. It's not that. It's that if you see someone doing true darkness in the world, you know, everything I'm dealing with, with the Elijah McClain story and everything, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there's this corrupted DA named Dave Young, know his name, learn his name. He has covered up rapes, sexual assaults. He's covered up this murder. He may have had his mistress murdered. This is a truly, truly dark personality. Um, And, you know, God is challenging me on that as well. It's like, not only is it, you know, the the white girls that annoy me that I have to give love to, it's also (laughs) that level of darkness. And um, so what you're doing in those moments is you're reaching out your hand and you're saying, hey, girl, like, come more to the light. Like, why are you screaming in anger about seeing a midriff? Can we talk about it? Like, were you over-sexualized or something? Do you really believe what you're saying? Like, reaching out for that loving compassion, which obviously is really hard to do when you're in this monolith of the internet. You can't go after every single Twitter comment and be like, hey girl, sending my love. Because also that's not everybody's responsibility at the end of the day either. When it, you know, I think interpersonal relationships, you have to have that posture, but online it's like, sometimes you just have to tune out because it's too hurtful. And um, the point of the whole thing that I'm saying is that we as evangelicals had done the opposite and I will call out evangelicals for continuing to do the opposite, which is that you see light. You see two precious, beautiful spirits on a stage, worshiping the divine with all of their hearts out, moving their bodies, which is like reveling in God as well. Mm -hmm. And what you do is drag them into the darkness with your own projection of your own BS of the lies that you were told in your church by small minded people like I am done with that. I'm done hearing that young, beautiful women, people are, you know, slaughtered in this way. Right. 
And I'm I, sorry I that say, happened to you. Yeah, it's interesting. Before we had this conversation, I was trying. I was talking to my sister, and I was like, "Okay, I have to like remember things because I think there's a lot of it that I have." Well. I hope I have worked through, but I do think there are things that I have blocked out. And so, mm-hmm. you know, those are just like the things I mentioned are just like, like literally a handful. I mean, it's the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And, and so, I mean, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. And, and what's interesting is that in Canada, that's where we have our success. Like that's, that's where we've been. We, <laughs> our songs are on the radio right now, although we're not, we're not a band essentially anymore. Um, and that's, that's how we won the Juno award is because it's Canadian and we're have our Canadian citizenship. And, and that, that was an honor because in a sense, I felt like my indigenous heritage was tied was like, it gave me the opportunity to be heard in Canada or else I wouldn't have, like we would have no tie to Canada without that. Um, and the whole dancing on stage thing that goes back to a lot of like our heritage, like what we, if you watched our shows ever and you knew native dancing, we didn't intentionally do that, but it looks very similar the way Mm -hmm. we would dance, the way we would jump and twirl and certain things. It, it was very similar to fancy dancing and, um, looking like a butterfly, like, it's just how we move. And, and I think looking back on that, I just see, I see assimilation within Christian, the Christian industry. Um, I see, you know, colonization and um, yeah. And and it's in, in ways that I even then didn't know, but I think, I think I'm ancestrally, there's like something in me that, that felt that trauma that dealt is dealing with that trauma of having my, you know, dealing with my Christian faith and reconciling it with my native heritage. And it's something I'm constantly battling and re re languaging as well. And I, you know, I feel like I have, I have, we all have the right to, to do that, to re language as we feel and as it honors ourselves and, the divine within. Um, but it is interesting to look back on ways that I feel like my native heritage was like squashed in Christian music industry. Yeah. Perfect segue. Well done. <laughs> because I do want to talk about uh, colonization because you're reminding me of a couple of things. First of all, me as a white girl, never considered it a day in my entire life, except for the fact that it always really broke my heart ever since I was a little girl to hear that I wasn't allowed to listen to or consider anyone else's religious practice Mm. and that they were all not only not valid, but also evil. And Mm. I should feel sad for my Hindu friends, my Buddhist friends. I should feel sad for my Muslim friends. You know, it's just like, Mm. I think that that posture is arrogant. Yeah. And, um, And also leaves no room for your own personal growth to figure out, you know, there's so many thread lines in different people's practices of faith. You can find Jesus in so many different 
places again. Well, truly, because there's a Jesus story in almost all religions, which is interesting. His name isn't Jesus, but especially Native American, a lot of Native American religions, there is a savior. There is a Jesus, but it's, it's interesting when you look at all religions, there's always some sort of like savior person that comes in and yeah, it's, it's yeah. very interesting. It is. And also, you know, the truth will stand when tested. So yeah. that's another thing about de uh, deconstructing is like, you yeah. should never be afraid to be challenged in what you believe because you're either going to solidify and be like, oh, great. Mm -hmm. that I was right on that. Or you'll be like, yep. oh, damn, I was totally wrong. I'm so glad <laughs> I know better now. Like yep. it's a win-win situation no matter what. Absolutely. But but anyway, at the heart of it, I really didn't ever consider decolonization because nothing ever struck me that way. But when I was talking to Joe Lumen, who mm. obviously does tons of work with decolonization, she was talking about this song that, you know, she was like in Christian church, they sing this song about we were shackled and we were slaves and now we're free from sin. And that's not <laughs> that what that song was about. No. And you can see on the video, I did a video interview with her as well as audio, and my face just like drops. And I was like, uh, and I felt <laughs> humiliated and also betrayed by the whole system mm. of evangelicalism because I was like, at the bare minimum, give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Right. Rem reminds me who wrote that song and why. Yeah. I think that's really that's really important and I feel like that almost like you were betrayed by the system essentially that's I think a very common theme for a lot of people in any sort of deconstruction it's that's what deconstruction is you're looking at the system and saying how have you failed me yeah. um essentially and, and and that's the thing though too I I like to bring up um just how close and recent a lot of colon like colonizing how it's it's current um yeah, but how recent it has shown up even in my own my own family's life um my so my grandfather he like my dad's dad who i knew he just recently passed like two years ago um he was t taken away to boarding school and he was beaten in the name of christ he used to say those methodists have a method all right um, and, and it, I, actually, I think he was mistaken. It was actually Catholic church, but he it didn't know, have nobody, a singer. Nobody was going <laughs> to correct him. Yeah. So, um, that, and so he, and he was a bedwetter too. So he was beaten even more. He would talk about how he would go down to the kitchen and eat raw potatoes cause he was starving. Um, and my great grandmother, she used to say that she was happy that she was an ugly girl because she wasn't raped as much. So, and this is all so very sad and I recognize that, but I, it's something that I like, I, I feel like I need to share because so many people don't realize that so many people see native people as uh, kind of like mermaids or like fairies or something where it's like this far off fairy tale land. And it's very much not um, a lot of reservations. I mean, mine personally is actually doing you know, they're doing a lot of good work, but some of them are literal third world countries that are in this country. Um, and it's sad, but it, and it's real and it's right here. And I just don't think so many people don't, don't realize that, don't realize how 
like close everything is mm-hmm. um, and how they we can in ways that we don't even know partake in that assimilation and into that colonization and how the traumas are so close maybe not for all indigenous people but for me my grandfather was taken to boarding school and beaten like he finally ran away like that's how he got out he ran away by the fifth time he crossed the river and was able to get away so it's like it's just so close you know like Mm -hmm. I just don't think people realize that yeah it really breaks my heart that I was singing Christopher Columbus songs in elementary mm-hmm. school and honoring him. And in Jersey, we live close to some reservations as well. Mm. So we would also take field trips to reservations. And just knowing that I was like nine years old going into that space, thinking that Native Americans had a really cute dinner with Columbus and that... <laughs> my religion is superior and their religion is some sort of like savage Mm -hmm. kind of practice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, we didn't go in there outwardly dishonoring them. It was like so fun and we bought headdresses and trinkets and everything. But, (laughs) you know, I think that so many white people, I need them to, and not all of them are getting on board because they're in their stubbornness, but a lot of people I know, I'm proud to say, are really doing the work of being like, oh my God, what have we done? What have our ancestors done? How is it still actively affecting the world as we know it today? Because mm. just like you're saying, it's naive to think that in such recent history, certain things have happened, including your grandfather getting beaten or your grandmother being sexually assaulted if those happen in your lineage, if when I was a child, I was being taught that Columbus was a good man, you know, if I was being taught and you were being taught that all other religions are inferior to ours, Mm -hmm. yes, face the fact there are going to be remnants of that in us, no matter how good hearted we are, no matter how well-intentioned we are. And, um, I'm very anti-cancel culture. I'm going to do a video on that, I think, this Mm. week because, like, we can't cancel each other out on that journey um, because that doesn't serve anybody. But, you know, the people that are willfully deciding, no, we're going to pretend, like you said, Native Americans are some fairies living in some distant place. You're just being willfully ignorant at that point. There's, Mm. There's so much trauma that Indigenous people have suffered and continue to suffer. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement and people, including indigenous people, um, you know, BIPOC, (laughs) as Mm -hmm. I say, I don't know if that's actually how people say it, but black indigenous people of color. I think, I think there is like on a positive note, I do, there's finally something stirring in people. There's enough there's enough attention and obviously I don't even like that word, but there's um, enough people waking up um, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm, I'm seeing that indigenous people are included in the basically reconcile like reconciliation of an, an indigenous people and, and the harm and the traumas that have been happening for generations. And it, it's, people like Caitlin Curtis, who wrote Native, and Joe Lumen, beautiful human beings who are doing the work. And 
I'm, I'm just trying to point more people to people like them and speaking up, even myself, um, because it's hard being a woman of color. And even I, I'm white passing and I'm half white. So I, I very much benefit from white privilege. However, there is a sense of being a woman of color that a lot of the other women that I look up to and that I try to push to and that they have pushback and they, people would rather listen to, even if it's the same message, you know, if there's a white, even, even within the progressive community, if there's a white guy, white man, who's, who writes a book on decolonization, unfortunately, I believe that right now that would probably be bought more than an indigenous woman's book. And that's just, no, I, I mean, I God, I hope not. I hope yeah. you're wrong. I'm going to say, I think you're wrong. In the past, in the past, yeah. maybe. I, I, let's say three weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. exactly. In the past. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think we're moving towards where that's not true. Yeah. And that's like where I'm coming to like the positive stuff, but like, you know, white supremacy has been running rampant for a very long time. So I think, I think it's now people are waking up and realizing, oh, where does this stem from? Where, who, who am I listening to? Who am I giving credit to? Who am I reposting? Am I reposting this oh, white person's version of this quote? Or am I posting the quote from that woman of color or that mm-hmm. black writer? You know what I mean? It's things like that, that I think people are starting to really put it together that the in, putting intention with where they are finding their information. Yeah. So in conclusion, where do you think we need to go from here? Um, both with like Christian music or, you know, is there <laughs> even a space for that? I don't know. I mean, so my friend, such a messy a industry. <laughs> I don't, I, right now, I don't think there is going to be this like uprise of, progressive Christian music within or whatever you want to call it. I mean, progressive Christian music, that sounds like it's another genre, but essentially that it would be, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen within CCM. I don't think it's going to happen on Christian radio yet. I think maybe one day, who knows? I, I will never say never, but I think there is a place for what she, she called it. My friend said progressive Christmas so P PCM <laughs> um, and instead of CCM and I think I think that's we're just on the beginning of that I think there's people like you know the liturgists and Michael Gunger and Audrey Assad and um Grace. even like my, yeah Grace yeah there's Audrey. there's people yeah that are <laughs> on the on that side of music and on that side of um, they're even their, their faith. I wouldn't even say Christian faith, not necessarily for all of them, but, um, so yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's out there. I don't think it's widely available and I don't think you're going to turn on way FM or whatever the fish on radio and hear, and hear those artists necessarily, but maybe one Is that day. the name of a channel, whatever the fish. No, like ninety six point one, the fish or whatever it is. I don't know, whatever I the like fish. <laughs> what? That'd be like WTF. Well, that's funny. We need to start our own progressive Christian music radio. 
vacation, whatever the fish or what the fish. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be perfect. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've struggled with Christian music for a long time because I'm I'm a minor key girl. Yeah. And <laughs> I there's very limit I don't even know if there's any options for me in minor keys in the Christian world. I noticed a long time ago that if something doesn't resonate with you, mm. you don't have to keep fighting it. You know, I see a lot of Christians post things where they're like, I'm pressing in to read my Bible and I'm pressing in to worship yeah. music and I'm like I don't feel, I'm not better than anybody else, but because I've let go of what you are telling me I'm supposed to do to connect with God, Mm. because I've decided and realized that I'm allowed to connect with God however I damn well connect to him and however he invites me into that space, that therefore I don't have to press into painful things anymore. Like getting into a meditative prayerful state can be painful just because you're like, oh God, do I have this 15 minutes to spare? But after that, it's like I'm not in agony trying to force myself to pretend to like songs that I hate that don't make me feel good about myself, that sound like off-brand versions of other songs that I wish I was listening to instead. You know, you're like, so I just started listening to music that's beautiful, that touches my soul. Yeah. And if it's secular, so be it. Great. Okay. Who cares? Like God is within all of us and he's within a lot of those artists as well. Yeah. Oh, Lauren Daigle though. I get down with her. Yeah. She's great. Um, really like her. That's actually how I originally found you was your video of her about oh, her. Yeah. Rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was still doing my music, Christian music, I, or just coming out of it. Um, and when you were saying about purity culture stuff and her being like sexualized and all that stuff. And I, and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's me. It's my story. It's my life. And I already knew that about Lauren Daigle, but hearing somebody else kind of like point it out, I was like, wow, I needed this. And then, you know, mm. I finished all your videos and that's, that's how we're here today. <laughs> oh, I love it. I really appreciate that. It's so funny. I shot that one with like a migraine and it was And I I was barely familiar with her at all, but people kept asking me to comment on her. So I was like, fine, I guess I'll comment on this person. And I like, but then I loved her music. I was like, I was listening in the shower and I started crying and I was like, wow, this is real worship that I can get behind. And then watching how everyone was slaughtering her because she didn't even say that being gay was okay. She said, (laughs) I'm not sure, read the Bible. And I I was like, you guys are out of control. And she wore a long dress with like the tiniest slit, nowhere near her boobs. And she gets slaughtered again. And I was just like, this is so indicative of how terribly you treat women in your industry. And how are women supposed to feel powerful? Like we are welcome in the kingdom of God. Like we are beloved if we're emotionally and verbally slaughtering the women that are trying to bring you that goodness. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lauren Nagle is a good person to listen to for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's others, there's others out there. And I feel like it's just a matter of time before it, people start knowing more about progressive Christian music or open-minded or loving, you know, it's whatever label you want to give it. It's, it's out there. It's just, most of it is, most of it is indie right now. You don't hear it on radios. So you just Mm. kind of have to search for it, but (laughs) yeah, I I like the challenge though. (laughs) Um, I feel like we've kind of run out of time. I wish we could dive in more to some of your like native practices. Could you maybe 
give a quick overview of how maybe you incorporated some of those old like childhood fascinations to how you perceive your worship now? Yeah. Well, a lot of it would look, I think from the outside looking in, um, I, a lot of it does kind of look like more a spiritual, even like witchy side of spirituality. I do. I mean, obviously I'm obviously I burn sage okay that's native that's witchy that's spiritual all that um and I do I burn sage to cleanse the space and after if I have a disagreement with somebody's basically just like cleansing um I do enjoy I have a couple oracle and tarot decks I do enjoy those um I'm not I'm not a naturally I don't think I'm a naturally religious person so nothing is nothing I do is um needed for my spirituality to exist um the most the thing I do most though is getting myself in nature yeah um I mean I have I have crystals and I have all that stuff but it's part of nature it's really I feel when I was young that I I um, I saw the sun as God like God and the sun were like that's what I pictured it wasn't like this this man god thing mm-hmm. it was the sun I connected with the sun and then the trees and nature. So I think for me, it's just a matter of getting outside in nature as much as possible and quieting myself um, and allowing myself to be quiet when I want to be quiet, but also dancing is a really big part of my spirituality and just like turning on music that I like, like creating playlists of songs that are popular right now that are just like just pop songs and I dance to them. And that's, I feel God with it. In. Like I feel like I'm living my truest spirituality and truest self when, when I do that. So it's basically more of an honoring of my natural, like gut reaction or my natural instinct and honoring what feels good and what feels right for me. That that is my spiritual practice. Where can everybody find you online? So my Instagram is lauren deliri that's <laughs> just my name um and on my instagram account um it has links to my website which is laurendeliri.com and my podcast is deconstruct and that's linked as well so is my artist stuff it's all there i like to make it as succinct as possible <laughs> nice. um, i'm the only lauren deliri in the world so if you look me up I will be there. (laughs) Perfect. All right. We love you all so much. God bless. Bye.